I just want to take just a, um, a few moments this evening. And um, I've, in the evening, our evening gatherings, I've been um, speaking just uh, on the theme of Jesus in the midst, Jesus amongst us, or Jesus in the middle of us, in the midst of us. And I'm just taking up that theme again tonight. And um, I'm really just picking up on where the, the book le- left off at the last, last time. And so if you have a Bible, please turn to the book of Revelation with me. And Revelation chapter 2. I want to speak about having courage during difficult times. Courage during difficult times. And um, when I was sort of preparing and looking at this, I thought, oh, I don't know if I want to speak on the subject that I'm about to speak on tonight. And I thought, oh, I might just dodge this church. It's because I, I, I I'm gradually going through the, the churches in the book of Revelation. And I thought, no one, no one would really know if I just leave this one out and go on to the next one. And uh, I thought, no, I can't do that. It, you know, it, I've said that we're going to speak on this. And so this is, and this is the subject. So this has got to be the right, th- right thing. But, so I'm going to just take this theme tonight and um, go with it just for a moment or two. Courage in difficult times. Revelation chapter 2. I'm just going to take a few moments. Chapter 2, verse 8. To the church of Smyrna, to the angel of the church of Smyrna, write, these are the words of him who is the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Hey, this is good stuff for tonight, isn't it? (laughs) Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you a crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. Jesus in the midst. In um, chapter 1, verse 13, it says, verse 13, um, the Apostle John has this vision, this picture, or this vision of Jesus walking amongst the seven candlesticks. The seven candlesticks in Revelation chapter 1 represent seven churches in a certain part of Asia Minor, which is now modern-day Turkey. And the picture there is that Jesus walks amongst the church. Jesus wants to be in and amongst the church. And so we've taken this series looking at this because we're looking at this idea of how we have a God and live and serve a God who's not far and distant away, but a God who wants to be down amongst and with us. He actually walks amongst us. I know when we shared this message in India with a um, a group of pastors, it was amazing. I've shared the story as we were talking like I am now and just putting my hand on the shoulders of different pastors. They thought it was amazing, great, because some of them were sort of of a lower caste. But we were saying that Jesus touches your life and wants to be with you and amongst you. It was quite revolutionary. You can imagine in a society where the lower caste and upper caste, uh, higher caste don't mix. But Jesus has no caste. He loves us all and wants to be amongst us. And in the midst of our lives and in your heart and in your life and family, your work, your college, your school, our good times, our hard times, our church, but we've got to let him. And so he has this vision, uh, John, of Jesus being amongst the churches. And these were seven churches going through trial and difficulty in a certain part of the world that was being shaken by persecution at the time. And so we're looking at how this can practically help and encourage us in our own Christian lives, our walk, our families, and our church, and our lives. And so tonight, courage during difficult times. 
This church, the church in Smyrna, you think, what on earth is all this about? 2,000 years ago, where's that? It's now the modern Turkish city of Izmir. Izmir is the is a, the ancient town of Smyrna, and it's a place that people go. It's a very nice place to this day. And at the time of writing, nearly 2,000 years ago, Smyrna was a beautiful city, a prosperous city, a powerful city, and it had a very growing church at that time. It was a city that was very loyal to the Roman Empire. I'm just going to give it just two minutes of background, because this two minutes of background will give you the reason why Jesus said what he said, okay? Because you think, you know, he said, what he says is immaterial, but there's a reason for it. This city had a very faithful background. It was, uh, at the time of writing, very prosperous, very beautiful. It was a, a very um, a powerful city and very loyal to the Roman Empire. In fact, it was renowned in the Roman Empire as being one of the most loyal city-states to Rome. The people were sold out in their loyalty and they were very proud at being loyal to the Roman Empire. So there would be a lot of Greek, Hellenistic people, um, uh, people from the area, uh, living from that part of Asia Minor. A lot of Jews would have lived there. It was a very cosmopolitan place, but incredibly loyal to Rome, the Roman Empire, and incredibly loyal to Caesar, the emperor of the Roman Empire. It was a renowned place. In fact, at one stage, when the Roman army was caught on hard times in that part of the world, and a famine had come, the city, the whole city gave a huge amount of money to clothe the army and to feed the army of their own volition. They weren't asked to do this. So loyal, so sold out were they in their loyalty to Rome. And at that time, one of the things that people were, had to do was swear allegiance to Caesar as a way of loyalty. Caesar was worshipped as a god, and on all the Roman coins it had Caesar is Lord. You know, as Christians, we understand that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Curus. Jesus is Lord. Caesar is Lord was on all gold coins at that time. And the people were so loyal. And at that time, it was this idea of swearing allegiance to the emperor, saying he is God, he is Lord. And they prided themselves on this loyalty. Now, you can imagine being a Christian at that time in a very loyal um, city-state to Rome was bad for your health because a Christian swore that Jesus is God, Jesus is Lord. And one of the marks of true Christianity was this understanding that you could bow to no one and nothing but God himself. And so there was a collision course. It's a very loyal city, very loyal people, and they prided themselves on this. And Christians wanted to be loyal to the government of the day, but they knew that they had to follow the one true God. There was a cause that they'd given their lives to. And this church had given their lives to the cause of God. And because they'd given their lives to the cause of God, it was causing them trouble, tribulation, and trial because they were now coming under persecution. And this is the background to why Jesus speaks particularly in the way that he does to this church. So it took a little bit of time to explain that, but that's the reason why. This is a church that comes under intense persecution. Um, Smyrna was a town that had a very large Jewish population. The Jews were spread all over the world and a lot had gathered in this city town, this city state, and they became very wealthy and they'd given a lot of money to a lot of civic pro, um, programs in, in, in that city. And so they became very powerful and they'd been given a dispensation where they didn't have to swear allegiance to the emperor because of Jews following the one true God. But because they become so powerful and prosperous, 
the Roman state trusted them because they swore allegiance in, in many ways, but didn't have to say that Caesar is God. They had a dispensation. Now, this is interesting, just hold on to that, because they had a collision course with Christians. And what happened with the Christians was this, that the Jews... And this is why they're called the synagogue of, they said those Jews, that synagogue of Satan. The Jews were outing Christians who Christians were trying to come under this dispensation of immunity to swear allegiance to the emperor. And so what was happening were that they were being outed. They're not a Jew, they're a Christian. And so the Christians were being forced into the open. And hence they came under persecution, not only from the Roman state and the emperor, but also the Jews of the city. So there was a double whammy, as it were, upon Christians. There was no place to hide. No place to hide. And so the church came under intense persecution. The Rome, their loyalty to Rome was questioned because they wouldn't swear allegiance to Caesar. And the Jews were handing them over to the authorities at the same time. And so they were caught between two areas. And there was nowhere to hide and there was nowhere to run. And so, this is a church that is commended for it. There's a number of themes that come out of this passage. For their sacrifice, their suffering, and their loyalty. And there's three themes. This is why I said I didn't really want to take up this tonight, thinking, oh, that makes for a happy evening. On a nice sunny evening like tonight, what makes for a happy evening? But there's three themes that I want to just take up. Their sacrifice, suffering, and loyalty. And so, Jesus said to them, even in your affliction, and though that you are in poverty, and you've come under slander, yet you are rich. Yet you are rich. In verse 10, he says, don't be afraid. Further on in verse 10, he says, be faithful. Don't be afraid. Be faithful, and you will receive a crown, a rich reward. And so Jesus says, you will receive a rich crown of life. God is calling his church to be courageous. The theme that strikes you about this church, bearing in mind the persecution, the affliction, the pressure that they were coming under. You see, we're living in an age now where we have freedom. As Christians, here we are sitting here tonight. We're totally free. Um, We don't have persecution and affliction, thank God. You know, I appreciate the fact that we don't in our, our nation. There are parts of the world that do. We haven't had a sense of suffering for our faith for many centuries, as it were almost, as Christians generally in our nation for some time. As a country, we've had in nearly all of your lifetime, my lifetime, a sense of peace and prosperity in our nation. There'll be some of us that will be sitting here tonight. I'm being careful not to look at you, but you've been through the war years perhaps And you would understand what it is to have austerity, true austerity, rationing. You would know what it is to lose family and friends. You know what it is to go through a war. So you would know what it is to sacrifice. But for the majority of us sitting down in this room tonight, we've been through a sense of peace and prosperity. So we don't really and haven't really been touched by sacrifice. Not generally speaking, I'm saying, and austerity generally, although our nation is being shaken a bit these days, and we're talking of austerity programs. So to get our heads around affliction because of your, and poverty in in the extreme sense, and um, sacrifice and persecution, to talk about it, it's it's like a million miles over there. It's in other countries where it's happening in around the world. 
And as I was looking at this, I sort of, sort of felt that. And I said, oh, God, you know, it's going to be hard talking about this sort of stuff. I don't want to put a you know, burden on people. And I felt the, the pull of my heart is the theme of sacrifice and courage in sacrifice is important one, Adrian. It's an important one for your own personal life. It's an important one for every Christian life. It's going to be an important one for us as a church. And it's going to be an important one for the nation. Sacrifice and courage. The theme of giving yourself to a cause that is greater than yourself. To sacrifice. To sacrifice is to give up. People will sacrifice all sorts of things to follow their favorite football team. They'll do all sorts of things. They'll sacrifice all sorts of things to watch their favorite soap. You know, everyone, clear everyone else out the way. Won't talk to anyone. And you know, but it's, it's a form of sacrifice. It's a form of sacrifice. To give yourself to something. The highest form of sacrifice is to give one's life for a cause that is greater than myself. And it's that theme that I really want to take up. And it's the cause of Christ. And it's the cause that Jesus commends this church upon. He says, you are afflicted, you're poverty stricken, you're, you're, you're coming under pressure, you're losing even to the point of your life, but don't be afraid. Continue to be faithful. Um, hold on to me. Uh, hold on to God with this great cause, for you shall receive a crown of life. The crown that he's speaking of there is the victory crown in the procession. When the Roman general came back victorious... From warfare, he brought in his train, he would go through the streets of Rome uh, on, on a, a chariot and he would have a, a victory crown upon his head and everybody would wave and cheer and the people whom the army had taken into captivity were trailed behind them. It was a victory procession and it's the picture here, you will receive a victory crown, you will, you will end up being victorious, you, you will win through in the end, but not only win through, but God will be with you more than you've ever known before. If you will be courageous, if you will be faithful, if you don't be afraid, and if you're prepared to sacrifice. You know, the greatest form of sacrifice, and this is what the church in Smyrna, if you notice, it isn't in any way, it's always commended, commended, commended. He never says, and I have this against you, like he does with a number of other churches. Amazing. When, we, when the people come to give their lives with courage, are faithful and loyal to God, and are prepared to sacrifice their lives for a cause greater than yourself, God commends and crowns his people. I don't know about you, but I want to be commended. I want the church that I'm part of, our church, to be commended by God and to be crowned with his presence and crowned with his hand and, and, and to know the hand of God on our lives and to let people know that God is real. And it's when we come with that sense of faithfulness and courage and a sense of sacrifice. I said, I'm going to give my life to something more than just myself, more than my job, more than just possessions. And these things are transient. They're good things to have a job and possessions. And these are good things. And God wants to give us great things. But there's something more to life. And it's the cause of Jesus Christ. People give themselves to all sorts of cause. They'll follow their football team to the other end of the world. They'll pay all sorts of money to go and watch the Olympic Games. And some of the, the cheapest tickets are £20. And some of the most expensive tickets are several thousand pounds to watch the Olympics. To give ourselves to a cause greater than ourselves. And this is what this church was prepared to do. To give their lives. You know, sacrifice. Jesus died that you and I might live. 
Jesus Christ is your sacrifice and my sacrifice. He died so that you could live. And so the question is, can you live for him? If he could die for you, can you live for him? I say that in a non-condemnatory way whatsoever. But if Jesus Christ could sacrifice and die for you, the question is, can you now and I, can we live for him? And I don't mean exist for him. But to truly, really live for God. Really give yourself, give your life to live for God. The great thing is, if you give your life to live for God, God does something. He says, thank you very much. And then he gives it all back, but even more. This is the amazing thing. If you spend your life for God, he'll give everything back, but even more. We live in an age which says, I'll I'll look after myself. I'll build my house. I'll build my, my my own life and that. But... God wants us to have a great life. He wants you to have a great home. He wants you to have great friends and great, it, all that. But he wants us to have a cause that is greater than that, the cause of God, the cause of Christ, to give ourselves for something greater than I. I'm always amazed by these people that build. I, I talk about this a lot, so forgive me if you've been in the church a, a, a little while now. But I'm amazed that people, these, you know these great big cathedrals that you find in our, our country and people come from all around the world to go and look at Canterbury Cathedral and the York Minster Cathedral that are several hundred years old, hundreds of years old, that took several hundred years to build. They're huge buildings created for the glory of God. I mean, I'm not into architecture and stuff like that. It doesn't do too much for me, but it's pretty amazing. What amazes me is that the stonemasons that, that chipped away at those buildings, and they're huge, and they were you know, hundreds, if not you know, hundreds and hundreds of feet above the ground without you know, scaffolding and stuff that we would have and all that stuff today. These stonemasons that chipped away and, and, and carved stuff out and this sort of stuff, they would never live to see the end product. They might have carved a little bit, but they've never seen the big cathedral that you and I see today. And then you think, big deal. What amazes me is that these guys did this knowing that they would never see this, but they had a vision of a cause greater than themselves. You can turn the world upside down with people that have a vision of a cause greater than themselves. We could change the world. We sing that song, His love can save the world, change the world. His love in me can change the world, can change the world, a cause greater than ourselves. And that's what Jesus did for us. Can we give our lives to a cause of God? God is the creator. He is the cause of all the universe. He is the great causer of all cause. To give our lives to a cause greater than ourselves, the, the greatest we can give is to God the creator. To give your life to God the creator. People talk about giving themselves to a a club, a team, a job, a cause. The greatest cause is to the creator himself who caused everything to come into being. Can you and I give ourselves to the cause of God? If we can, amazing things can happen. Some amazing people have gone to be with God over the years. I don't know whether you knew this, but um, they did a study. They did some studies, uh, 1999, year 2000. So it was a study roundabout coming up for the millennium. Can you remember the year 2000? Long time ago now, isn't it? Remember the millennium bug and all that stuff? And the world was going to come to an end. All the computers were going to crash and all this stuff. Well, there was a study done um, in the Christian world looking at sacrificial life. 
and the, particularly in the area of um, people that have given their lives for God. Martyrs. A martyr is someone that gives their life to the cause of God. And Christian martyrs. And it's said that there are, were more Christian martyrs today than there were in 100 AD. So at the time of the book of Revelation, there are more Christian martyrs now than there were back at the time of the book of Revelation. And there were a lot of people losing their lives to the cause of God. According to a study done, this is a bit of a while ago, by Regent University, there were close to 164,000 Christians martyred around the world in 1999. So this is quite a long time ago. This is some research done. 164,000. An estimated 165,000 will be martyred in the year 2000. People giving their lives to a cause greater than... Now, my sacrifice might not be to literally give my life. I'm not necessarily saying that. But what is your sacrifice? For some of us, I don't know. I mean, I'm speaking for myself. I, don't, I can't speak for you. But I wonder in the West if we understand what it really is to sacrifice. I'm not being negative. I'm not being horrible. To give our lives for a cause. To truly give ourselves to God wholeheartedly. That's what we're talking about. It might not be to that we call to actually literally give our lives. I'm not necessarily saying that. But to give ourselves wholeheartedly to God. Courage. So Jesus says, have courage for the cause. Don't be afraid. Stand firm. So courage. So there's a desire in, uh, in the church today to pick ourselves up with courage. To say to God, fill us again, Lord. Stir us up again. I want to give my life to you anew. I haven't been the Christian that I should have been. And not that I beat myself up. But I'm going to give myself to you afresh. I'm going to pick myself up. We have become intoxicated by the materialistic age in which we live and sent to sleep. We, we operate in a realm. We can't see, as it were. There's a series of films called The Matrix. And this idea of the matrix is that, that everything is a computer program. Life is a computer program. And that human beings live as we're looking at are now. Anyone that's seen the, anyone seen the film? Maybe you've seen the film The Matrix. And um, it's a, life is a computer program. That's the premise of the film, basically. And human beings living in the world, what you see isn't really what you see. This is a computer program. And if your eyes are truly opened, you can see behind the program. And what's happened is the machines are now controlling the world, living off of human beings. That's the premise of the Matrix. There's, a spirit, there's something behind it. There's, it's quite a spiritual film in some ways. And there's this idea of reality. And we have been seduced, even in the church today, sent to sleep, that this is the reality of Christianity. It's at this level. And that is not the case. There is something greater, far better, to give our lives fully to the cause of Jesus Christ. And so in the Matrix, when a person is set free, their eyes are opened, they see that everything is computer code and that what you see isn't really the world it's it's an image that's been made by machines to fool humans into just being asleep and, the, and we are seduced to be asleep almost in what we see around us but there's something about courage and it takes courage to say i'm not going to settle for this i'm going to go for god and the, so jesus said have courage go for god and he said i'll give you a cause loyalty he said then the second thing is you are faithful. And this idea that Smyrna was a very faithful city. And the Christians weren't faithful. It was a very loyal city to Rome. And the Christians had took that loyalty to the loyalty to God. In the face of opposition, 
um, being caused to pull away and to recant and to stand away from Christianity. They said, no, we're not. We're still going to live for God. And many of them lost their lives as they were martyred and put to death because they wouldn't turn to um, Roman um, worship. Loyalty to faithfulness to God. There's a call today for courage. There's a call today to give our lives to a higher cause, to sacrifice, to really give ourselves wholeheartedly. There's a cause today to be loyal, to be faithful to God, to hold on to God. It's easy to walk away. It could be so easy to not, 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 not continue. But God calls us to follow him with all of our hearts, to really lay hold of him, to really go for God, to be faithful and to be loyal to him and the cause of Christ. Courage to the cause, loyalty to Jesus Christ and to be faithful, sacrifice to give our very all. How can we do that? How can we do that? In verse 8 of this um, chapter 2, with this we close. Jesus says, I am the first and the last. I was the one who was dead. I am now alive. Do you know Jesus Christ has the first say and the last say in your life and on your life. He has the power to make a difference in your heart and on your life. I don't know what you're facing right now. I'm not sure what discouragement you might have. I'm not sure what trial or, or what you might be going through, what worry you have, what anxiety you have. I want to say to you that Jesus has the first say and also the last say on your life. In the moments when I feel discouraged, if, when certain sicknesses come my way, I claim the fact that Jesus has had the first say over my life and he'll have the final say over my life. The devil won't have the final say. The circumstance that I'm in won't have the final say. The sickness won't have the final say. Uh, the, the financial difficulty will not have the final say. The anxiety or the worry won't have the final say. If I hold on to God with all my heart, all my life, with faithfulness and courage and call upon God and hold on to him, Jesus says, I have the first say. I started it in your life, but I'm the one who'll have the final say. I'm the full stop and I'll hold on to you if you hold on to me. It's an amazing encouragement for your life and my life. Here's the first and the last say over us. He is the one who is dead and he is alive. And so with those believers at that time, when they were going through persecution and trial, Jesus was saying, I know what you're going through. I know what you're feeling. I have the first say and the last say with you. I'm with you. I'm for you. Hold on to me. Don't give up. Give your lives wholeheartedly. And you shall receive a crown of glory, the victor's crown. God puts his hand upon your life. The crown is that he puts his hand upon your life and my heart, our families, your marriage, your home, our church, our community, our nation. We need to see the hand of God upon us afresh. Let's pray. You could say, so what? What's that got to do with me? Tonight, we're not going to put anyone on the spot, so you're okay. But as we close together and we just pray together, I just want to say to you, if you're that person that was far from God and you're here tonight feeling that I've been far from God, I feel a bit of a hypocrite that I'm in church, then God says to you, don't feel like that. Just come back to me. And I pray that whoever you are, that you will come back in all your heart to God. Perhaps tonight you and I as Christians feel, yep, Jesus died for me, but... Living for him, there's a lot of going on in my life. You don't know my work, you don't know my boss, you don't know, my t- you don't know the stuff that's going on, you don't know my dilemma. Jesus knows and cares.
He says, come back to me. Come back to me with all your heart. Reaffirm, lay hold of me and I'll lay hold of you. If he died for you, can you live for him? Can I live for him? He says to us tonight, will you be faithful, loyal, hold on to me? Have courage. Do you need courage right now? Hold on to him because he wants to hold on to you. He wants to have the last say in your life. Are you worried at work? Are you concerned? Is there some sickness that you're worried about? Have you an anxiety? Do you have a plan for the future and you're not sure? Then let Jesus have the final say over your life. Hold on to him. Can we as a church be a type of church that says, we're going to go all out for you, God. We're going to give our lives afresh. Then he'll say, right, I want you. I need you to follow me. Are we as a church going to do that? Heavenly Father, see our hearts tonight. You hear our hearts and you see our hearts. We're coming back to you afresh. For some of us have been a bit distant. We're saying, God, forgive us. I want to come back to be at the very center of your plan for my life. Will you fill me again with your spirit? Forgive me that I might come close to you again. I pray for anyone here tonight that's felt distant from you, that right now that they may come back and feel the sense of your presence afresh. Father God, will you impart a sense of courage upon us all tonight? Pray for an impartation of the courage of heaven. When we feel scared, if we're scared about anything right now, would you give us a sense of courage that comes upon our hearts and upon our lives in Jesus' name? Lord, I pray you are the great cause. You are the creator. You caused everything to happen. You caused us to be here, the universe to be made. There's no cause greater than you to give our lives to. And so we come to you tonight. Fill us afresh with a fresh sense of vision, desire and passion to give ourselves to the cause of Jesus Christ, the cause of God, your cause. Holy Spirit, would you fill us afresh that we might be filled with a sense of new purpose, hope and destiny. Give us as a church a new sense of destiny, Father. We want to be a people destined to follow you, destined in a path that you've laid out for us. I pray for marriages, homes, families, livelihoods, a new sense of destiny. Young people tonight, young people that to know you, a new sense of purpose and destiny as we give ourselves, lay our lives on the line for a cause that's greater than myself. It's you, Jesus. It's you, Lord. Come and be Lord of my life. Lord of my heart, Lord of my marriage, Lord of my home, Lord of our church, we ask. Fill us with a sense of new passion, hope, courage, faithfulness. As a church, we want to be marked out as a place that is a sense of sacrifice, hope and courage and faithfulness. That we might know your hand upon our lives, Lord, so that we can be more like you and take you wherever we go. In your mighty name we pray. Amen.